having an idea of the impact that I can have is always important and always key in keeping us motivated through everything we do with Ball for Good. This is Kid CEO, the show about kids who are swimming against the tide. From entrepreneurs to authors to philanthropists, Kid CEO is showing the world what kids can do. If I gave you one period every week to work on an assignment in school to make a community service project that can benefit the community, what would you do? I know what I would do, and I know what today's guest, Adom Apaya, would do. In most ways, Adom is an ordinary 16-year-old. He has a couple friends, he plays basketball, soccer, he's in student government, in debate, just like you and me. But where he is different from the ordinary kid is the values that his parents instilled in him at an early age. Even when he was even younger, his parents would take him with them to go out and give backpacks to the underdeserved or do giveaways during Christmas to little kids. These are the kind of foundations that Adam was built on and that he still values today. Add in humility and being humble and the fact that no matter how successful he is, he's always ready to listen to anybody else, no matter how successful they are. In the seventh grade, Adam was assigned a project from his teacher, Kelsey Turner, called Project 20 Time, where they would have one class period a week to work on a project that could benefit the community. But originally, Adam's idea wasn't ball for good. It was with a partner helping teach elderly people about technology. And while that was great, it wasn't where Adam's passion was. His passion was in sports, coming from a sports family, cheering for teams since he was little. But how could Adom combine his interests in sports and helping others into one project? We should also keep in mind that at this point, he already had an A in Project 20 time and honestly didn't need to keep going. And that is the epitome of self-motivation. He quickly found a mentor, and in 2018, Adam threw his first ever celebrity basketball game, raising thousands of dollars for local charities. He sold out. But to Adam, it's not about the fame or the media or the money. It's about bringing his community together and doing good for this world. But Adam has his fair share of disappointments. In 2018, he made it into the National Script Spelling Bee. It was his last year of eligibility, and he was about to make it into the finals, before being eliminated in the semifinals. But as disappointed and sad as he was, he saw another, younger kid, and went over there to comfort him. And that just goes to show Adam's incredible humility, being humble and willing to take care of others, as you'll hear throughout this episode. This episode isn't about basketball. It's not about sports. It's not even about ball for good. It's about an ordinary boy who grew up with the values of humility and being humble and who never gave up to accomplish his goals. 
One word to describe my early childhood would definitely be purposeful. Uh, everything we did was kind of fueled by some kind of energy or some kind of mission. And I grew up in this environment that embraced this idea of giving back and philanthropy. And so it was kind of second nature to me. So I was driven by purpose from a young age. Yeah, and you know, looking back today, it seems you're still living your life with a strong purpose. Was there ever like a low point in some of those early years? Uh, yes, uh, many know that I participated in the Scripps National Spelling Bee, and uh, I had high aspirations for success at the national level after uh, working very hard in my uh, school bees and regional bees. And it was a bit of a low point when uh, I was in my final year of eligibility, and I kind of aged out and wasn't able to compete and wasn't able to reach that ultimate goal of of having a high success rate in the Scripps National Spelling Bee. And so that was a bit of a low point, but I was able to flip that into something positive in the future by learning from that failure and understanding that more opportunities would come in the future. Yeah, and I have a couple of things to talk about um, in a little bit. But what was your relationship like with your parents? Uh, it's always been a very positive relationship with my parents. They've always been people who have encouraged me and uh, led me in the right direction when I may be looking in uh, the wrong direction. And they've always been there for guidance. They've always helped me in anything that I've needed to do in the adult world. And I wouldn't be anywhere I am without them. What's one time when they helped you kind of pivot in the right direction? Most definitely when I was creating my nonprofit organization, Ball for Good, uh, my parents helped me to kind of steer, kind of get the ball rolling. And so I had ideas for what the goals of the organization would be, the name of the organization. And with the guidance of my parents, I was able to kind of narrow that down and understand what direction I had to take. So you talked about how your parents always guided you in that right direction. What do they do for a living? Uh, My mom is a management consultant, uh, among many other things. She is uh, involved in so many uh, community efforts. Uh, My dad is a frontline medical worker, so he has that uh, spirit of helping people. And so with those two influences, uh, I knew that there was something in my future that involved uh, looking out for others. Yeah, by the way you described your mom, she seems like one of those like super moms, you know, that are driving their kids to soccer practice, also like on calls with people, answering emails. And then your dad, being that frontline worker, probably gave some of those empathy values to you. Um, what were some of the favorite things you did with your family? Uh, we always participated in all of these uh, charity events. We, had, we went on walks for the homeless. We went uh, uh, to different runs and different kind of active things that involved uh, a, an overall greater good cause. And so although I may not have known the cause that I was going to be involved in, I always enjoyed that time with my family that we were giving back to the community. What were some of the values that your parents instilled in you? There were a number of values that they instilled in me, uh, one of them being modesty, understanding uh, the way that I should approach everything. They've also established humility. I've uh, been taught 
that it's important to kind of see everyone equally and respect each and every person and not be too inflated in yourself and high and mighty. So that humility that they've instilled in me has kind of taught me to always be listening and always understand uh, that everyone has something to say, even if you may not agree with it. And uh, you can always learn from other people. Why were the values of humility, being humble, why did they stand out from everything else? Uh, for me, uh, I'm not someone who uh, necessarily talks a lot by nature. And so I had to understand that even when I feel I may be more correct, it's important to listen to people uh, because there, there are times and instances where people will be more correct than me. And in that instance, I'd have to learn from them and understand what they're doing, what they're coming from uh, in order to better myself. And so always having that kind of reality, knowing that I am not perfect and knowing that there's always going to be someone who knows more than I do is important to me so that I can ultimately learn and grow. That makes a lot of sense. You know, being a teen in the nonprofit world, you do have to be open to learning as you go. You go to school at Spartansburg Day School. Was the idea of school something you enjoyed or was it just something you wanted to get over with? Um, I've always enjoyed school. I've enjoyed learning. Uh, of course, I don't love homework. There are aspects of school that I don't like that much. But overall, the experience of school has been something that I've enjoyed. I've, have, I've had supportive teachers, supportive uh, administrators. And so school has been something that has always been very involved for me. And you've been at the school for a while now, right? Yes, that's correct. I've been at the school for a very long time. So you're part of like the culture there. You know, you're a Spartansburg Day School student all in all. So your natural above average willingness to work hard, was that something that you always had or was that persistence built up over time? Um, I believe it was built up over time. Uh, it's, I mean, I've always noticed it just because uh, as, as long as I've been aware, I've always been pushed either by myself or by others to achieve something greater than myself and greater than uh, I can even see for myself. And from a young age, I've always known that uh, I have a potential to be something and to grow into something. And so whether it was my dad teaching me uh, math on the way to school or my mom trying to get me to read certain books or anything like that, uh, as time progressed and I became more independent, that just became a natural part of me. When you are younger, what were some of your favorite things to do? Um, when I was younger, I've always, I always liked sports. Uh, that shows in my day-to-day -day life now. But uh, I've been playing soccer since I was three years old and basketball since I was maybe seven or eight. And so I've always enjoyed being involved in sports. Uh, they've been kind of a marker of community. And so those were uh, something that I was really passionate about throughout my young, young life. Now, you're here now and you've been doing, I guess, the big three sports, soccer, basketball and school that you've all been doing for a long, long time. And there's a culture that comes with that. Do you feel like you're part of the cultures of your school, the cultures of your teams? Definitely, yeah. Uh, there's There are different aspects of that culture and different aspects of each and every culture. And so 
I feel thoroughly involved in the culture of school, culture of soccer, the culture of basketball. I try to keep up to date with the news that uh, appears in each of those sectors. And uh, I've grown to appreciate the differences that appear in each of those sectors because there are times where I interact with people who are kind of in those sectors and those sectors alone. They'd be people who uh, are focused entirely on school, all their energy is focused on school or all their energy is focused on one of the two sports. And so getting to learn from those people and their devotion has really helped me to be more well-rounded and more uh, knowledgeable overall. Would you rather be an expert in one thing, for example, we'll take basketball. Would you rather be an expert in basketball or a, I guess, medium expert level in multiple areas? I've thought about that a lot. And I've thought about the benefits of being an expert in one field. But I've also realized that through my personal experience, uh, gaining an understanding of, of a lot of things in the world is a lot more rewarding for me personally just because I feel like I have a greater grasp of what's going on around me rather than just one sector of the world. So you believe being well-rounded is more important than being a expert in one area, right? Uh, for, for myself, yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, where did you find that passion for sports? Um, well, I grew up watching soccer. Uh, my family was always uh, into soccer and, and watching it and and cheering on teams and they were involved in soccer when they were younger and so that's just something that I kind of absorbed through uh, other people around me and I began playing soccer and basketball I picked up when I got a little bit older uh, maybe seven or eight and I saw people playing it in school and I saw how much fun they were having I decided to take part in it uh, I wasn't particularly good at first uh, but I enjoyed the environment that it created. And my family was always debating about LeBron James and other basketball stars. So to be included in that conversation, I kind of exposed myself to more and more basketball. What was some of your, I guess, family's favorite teams growing up? My dad's uh, favorite team, I remember when we were going, when I was growing up, was the Lakers, just because of Kobe Bryant. And uh, I've always, my personal favorite team is the Chicago Bulls, even though we're not that really that good right now. Uh, but but uh, uh, my family has been involved in the, um, well, not involved, but supporters of the Bobcats when they were them. And now they're the Hornets. They've been supporters of uh, most recently the Pelicans because of the Zion Williamson connection. And then uh, we've supported the Heat. I mean, we've supported so many teams uh, over the course of the years. Soccer, favorite team is there? My favorite soccer team is Manchester United, which is interesting because uh, my dad's favorite team is Chelsea, the rival. And uh, so that calls, that calls for a little bit of conflict in the family. Uh, my dad's younger brother's favorite team is also Manchester United. Uh, and when I was younger, uh, just following everything that my dad did, I used to like Chelsea. And then uh, I got older and I realized I like Manchester United. So it's just been an interesting thing for our family dynamic. Yeah, things must get heated at the dinner table sometimes. So that love for sports kind of came in your family's culture, right? Yes, yes. Sports have always been a part of my family's culture. Now, the script spelling bee. 
2017, you came in 41st. A lot of the stuff you were doing then, you still do now, such as sports, debate. So why did you decide to also do the spelling bee? The spelling bee was something that I had always kind of aspired to. Uh, when I saw Scripps National Spelling Bee after winning my school bee in third grade, I was motivated and I wanted to be on that stage. But, but my school didn't have the opportunities to uh, participate in that until sixth grade. And so sixth grade, I entered my school B. Uh, I didn't win, but I got the runner up position and the winner had a conflict on the day of the regional B. So I was able to go to the regional B and gain some experience there. I came in third. And then the next year I went and I won the regional B and participated for the next two years. That was just a goal that I had set when I was much younger and I finally got to realize it uh, as time went on. So a lot of it came down to luck, you know, that first place, you know, having a conflict of interest, which got you to uh, go to the regionals. Fast forward a bit into 2018. And you made it to the script spelling bee. You won your school, you went to regionals, you won regionals, and you're now at the nationals. But you fell short in the semifinals. How did you feel in that moment when you just came so close to the finals? I was I was very upset that I had not uh, qualified for that final round. Uh, because it was my last year of eligibility and I knew I wouldn't have any further opportunities to do that. Uh, but in that moment, I decided that I would help others. And that was something that kind of uplifted me and uplifted them at the same time, because I realized that other people had more opportunities in the future and it'd be better to uplift them. Yeah. And I can understand how that must feel two, three years in the making last final year and being so, so close. There's a story from 2018. I believe your mom talked about it in her podcast, where after you lost, you were you know, obviously very disappointed, but you saw another fellow contestant who was also sad. But instead of saying, sitting down, talking to your family, you went over and went to comfort him. Why? I knew that that person would have more opportunities in the future to participate in the spelling bee and i figured that the disappointment that i was feeling uh could easily be felt by that same person and i knew i also recognized the opportunities that they had for uh, a future opportunity to participate in the bee and so i thought that that person could be uplifted and and ha be more hopeful in the future and so i decided that Rather than just feeling sorry for myself, I would try to uplift someone else and just raise the overall morale. Yeah, and I don't know how well that person that you comforted is doing now, but it certainly must have been a great experience for him to have one of his fellow contestants come over and help him out. Two years in the spelling bee. What did you learn from those experiences? The Spelling Bee taught me a lot about uh, character and understanding that uh, first place doesn't necessarily result in the greatest outcome because I didn't win the Spelling Bee uh, as I may have dreamed of, but 
there have been so many things that I've been to, able to accomplish because I didn't win the spelling bee. Uh, learning from the experience of failure and understanding how to bounce back from it. Uh, and I've just grown so much because of the spelling bee. And you didn't end up winning, but in my eyes, you did come out as a winner because you learned about that character, building character, helping that fellow contestant, which is amazing. One of the most memorable traditions of your family uh, was volunteering, helping out the community in South Carolina, book drives, giving backpacks um, to some children. How do those early experiences still show in your personality and character today? Um, giveaways and, and things that helped uh, people less fortunate than me really opened my eyes to the gifts that I had been born with. Uh, and I realized that not everybody had the opportunities that I had. And I wanted to make sure that more and more people could be exposed to environments that are conducive to learning and environments that are conducive to growth. And so that theme has kind of uh, stuck with me ever since my childhood. And I've always had it in the back of my mind that I will try my best to help these people who are less fortunate than me so that they are able to benefit and grow uh, to be great people in the future and ultimately the future of our country. Now, your childhood, you said you had obviously opportunity that came from your parents, came from the environment you grew up in. Would you say that was luck or was that hard work that helped you get that opportunity and turn it into a reality? Hmm, probably a combination of the two, uh, because there was definitely luck involved as far as people that I reached out to being available on certain days. Uh, but there was also a ton of hard work that went into it, uh, reaching out to certain community leaders, working to establish certain things uh, in the business world that I didn't quite understand. So there was a lot of hard work and research that went into it as well. Now, before this, you talked about how you had the opportunities, but many of the kids you and your family helped out didn't have the opportunity. You touched on this a little bit, but why was it so, so important for you to make sure others had the same opportunities you had? I feel like it was important to me that others had the same opportunities that I had just because uh, I realized how much I had benefited uh, without even realizing it from the environments that I had, I realized that uh, I may not have become the person I was or had the goals that I uh, lined up for myself if it wasn't for certain people in my life uh, telling me that they believe in me and telling me that uh, I'm able to achieve certain things. And so I wanted to be able to offer children who didn't have that kind of support uh, a, a form of motivation and a form of encouragement that they're able to grow and they're able to benefit. If you didn't have some of those people, family members, friends who were saying, I don't, you got this, keep going. Do you think you would be where you are now? It's highly likely that I wouldn't simply because that support system has helped me so much as far as reaching my goals and understanding reasonable goals to set. And so with those people in my life, I think 
it made things much more likely to pan out. All right, let's head back to the topic of school. So pretend we're in seventh grade. You're in your teacher, Kelsey Turner, your history teacher. And you have this assignment called 20 time. What was the assignment about? Uh, the assignment was to um, dedicate 20% of our class time a week or one class period uh, per week to something that benefits the community in one way or another. That could be the environment, that could be uh, human uh, issues, that could be working with animal shelters. And so the way that I approached it was to combine my passion for sports with uh, the overall mission of the project to help others. And I formed what I didn't yet know was a nonprofit organization, Ball for Good. Now, obviously, you went well above and beyond for this assignment. Was your teacher, uh, Ms. Turner, was she really impressed? Uh, yes, Ms. Turner was. Uh, the first year, she was pleasantly surprised because, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I wasn't a very talkative student. I did my work, obviously, but I wasn't someone who said a lot. And so uh, she read through my blog posts and saw uh, kind of the work that I've been doing, but wasn't quite aware of the scale that it had kind of grown to. And to be honest, neither was I. And so when she came to our first uh, celebrity basketball game, she was pleasantly surprised by the work that I was able to accomplish. And uh, it's resulted in so many positive things for me. It's resulted in a ton of positive things for her as well. So I'm really glad that she gave us that project. She went to your first game. Does she still keep up with Ball for Good? Yes, definitely. She's always uh, letting me know she's keeping up with updates. And I am very glad that she's still involved because uh, it probably wouldn't have even come to life without her initiative. Now, let's fast forward. Uh, you're 13 years old, and you have the idea for a charitable foundation that came from this project 20 time, and you decided to combine the passions of sports and helping others into this organization. Now, you had those passions, but how did the specific idea of combining these two come into your mind? Um, well, we had a brainstorming session as a class, just throwing things out and understanding what we were most passionate about and what we cared the most about, uh, just to make sure that we would be embarking on a project that would be sustainable and something that we would enjoy in the long term. Combining these things was, it wasn't accidental. It was something that I knew I enjoyed sports and I enjoyed uh, helping others. And so combining these two ideas was something that came through a lot of preparation and consideration of what the future was going to hold. When you come up with the idea for sports games that make money that go to charity, did you like run home to your parents like, parents, I have this new idea? Uh, yo, something like that. It was, uh, it wasn't quite all cheery because I initially had a previous project, uh, which I was helping the elderly with technology with a partner. And I realized that my heart wasn't really in it. So I decided to quit that project 
and I embarked on this new one. And so they were a little surprised that I would drop the project that was already uh, kind of lining up to be successful. Uh, but they embraced it nevertheless. And I'm glad that they did because this new project is really uh, would have had would really eventually take off into something that was really big. What was your partner? What, did, what was their reaction? Uh, they were also surprised, but uh, now present day, they're a huge active supporter of Ball for Good. Uh, they buy, uh, they've bought our merchandise and they volunteer for us. So I appreciate him and his understanding of the fact that I just wasn't feeling the project at the time. What about your teacher? What was her initial reception to this? She was surprised as well that uh, I had already earned a great grade for the uh, presentation, the kind of pitch of the previous project, and I just decided to drop it all of a sudden. But uh, she she understood that uh, a project had to be sustainable uh, in order to kind of work out. And so she decided that she would let me kind of start over and take a new path. I know this is a great story so far, but we're going to take a quick break. But the second we get back, more Kid CEO on the story of Adam Apaya. I'm Benjamin Wong, and you've been listening to Kid CEO. Hey, it's Ben here. If you like what we're doing here on the Kid CEO podcast, if you get entertained or inspired by some of these amazing stories, or if you think of me as a friend, which I hope you do, because even though there are so many of you listening right now, I am talking to you personally. Me, Talia, and the rest of the Kid CEO team are here for you every week with a new episode, but we need you to be there for us too. If you use Apple Podcasts, just scroll down and give us a star rating. In fact, if you write us a review, I will shout you out in next week's episode. Additionally, if you don't have an Apple phone, no worries. All you have to do is share something to social media and tag at Podcast, and I'll like it and reshare it. Or if anything, just tell some of your friends about it. Thanks so much in advance. Hey, we're back with Kids CEO. I'm Benjamin Wong. Before we get into it, two huge shout outs to Life DeMegan and Zia Kakakaz for their amazing reviews on Apple Podcasts. All right, back to the episode with Adam Apaya. Your first ever game for Ball for Good came in 2017. And you had Zion Williamson and other local celebrities. Who were some of the most notable players? from this game um definitely zion williamson he was the biggest player that we've ever had for our celebrity basketball game it, we really appreciated his enthusiasm and his willingness to participate in the games uh we had some ex-pro nfl players as well and some local celebrities uh and it was just a really fun time for everybody uh, because of kind of the 
differences in age or skill level. And so it was exciting to see all those people involved in what we were doing. Now, how did you, a you know, 13-year-old, at that point, ordinary kid, how did you get some of these players, some of them really high profile, how did you get them to come play at your game? I had some connections uh, through my mentor, Miss Mary Thomas. Uh, she was able to connect me to a lot of community leaders. Uh, I also talked to my parents uh, about people that they knew. Uh, people through my school as well. I mean, it was really just a collective effort. A lot of people were involved in what we were doing. And so that allowed for a greater overall outreach. Now, when you reached out to some of these people, Zion, um, some local celebrities, do you, you know, they they had that expectation that maybe they would go to this game, you know, play the game, help out a kid. Did they expect the massive success of that first event? I don't think they quite expected the massive level of success that we achieved. Um, I mean, I didn't expect it. So I don't, I don't see how they could have expected something to be at such a grand scale. Uh, but they were enthusiastic about it nevertheless, and they were supportive. And I appreciate them for kind of backing their community and, and understanding that this project had potential. And now a lot of them are still active supporters of Ball for Good. Was it stressful? Basically throwing your own basketball game, was that stressful? Uh, I'm not someone who gets super stressed, but it was different for sure. It was a very different experience, I'd say that. Uh, it was unfamiliar territory. There were a lot of adult things about the process that I was unfamiliar with. And so that required me, again, having humility and understanding that people were going to know better than me. And so I had a lot of listening to do, a lot of learning to do. But overall, I really enjoyed the outcome and what came from it. Who are some of the people that help you with the adult stuff? Uh, definitely my, my first mentor, Miss Mary Thomas. Uh, when I approached her in seventh grade, with my project, she she thought that I was like a young kid coming to work with her. And, and so she was a little bit hesitant, but uh, she still decided to call me in for a meeting. And she was impressed with what I had so far. And so she decided to invest herself in me. And I appreciate all the work that she put in uh, helping me to reach these other people beyond uh, my own personal circle. And then another mentor of mine, Mr. Billy Webster, uh, has been great as far as uh, managing different aspects of Ball for Good. He's encouraged me to expand beyond just basketball. He's helped me to uh, approach other sports. And uh, Mr. Webster is also a father, so he takes into consideration uh, that at times I may be overwhelmed, and so he's always asking me, uh, making sure that I'm okay with a certain step that we're going to take and making sure that I don't have too much on my plate. And I appreciate that perspective that he offers. Now, obviously, that first event was a success you sold out. What do you think was the biggest reason why you did so well on your first attempt? I believe it was the collective community involvement. I think it was important to have a lot of people feel like they were a part of what we were doing. And so our community felt kind of brought together by this basketball 
a game and everybody was excited to take part in it, uh, be it through cheerleading, uh, concessions, or playing in the game, just watching. And so different people had different uh, reasons for participating. But overall, I feel like everybody got what they wanted from the game. And so everybody felt like they were winning in a way. I know you don't care too much about like the fame, but did you kind of become like a local celebrity from this? Uh, yeah, I became definitely more recognized. Uh, there are times where people will know who I am and I'll be completely oblivious to it. Like, uh, like I'll be going through the grocery store and people will know who I am from uh, the numerous times I've been in the newspaper or on TV. And uh, I, I, it's a blessing. I, I enjoy being someone that a lot of people can look up to. Uh, it's not something that I like. I go out and seek that I, I want to be super popular today, no. But um, I appreciate all the people who are inspired by the work of Ball for Good and encouraged and motivated to take on their own initiatives or volunteer for Ball for Good. In the beginning, you said that you were more of an introvert. You didn't like talking, but now you're doing interviews all the time. Uh, I saw a Washington Post article about you. You're on TV. Have you kind of come out of that shell? Definitely. I've definitely come out of the shell that I was in before. Um, I was always quiet when I was younger. I didn't talk much. And so uh, if I would talk, it would be in kind of uh, very controlled environments, maybe at home or family gatherings. And so I just kind of grew out of that. And my my way out of that at first was public speaking. I found myself in my element uh, in public speaking. When, when a lot of people were scared to present, I was uh, kind of not as phased by it as a lot of my classmates. Uh, and that was even in the third grade when we had to do some public speaking for a, a, pre a history presentation. And that went forward into the fourth grade speeches. And then by the time I was in middle school, I realized that this is something that uh, I could possibly be good at. And so public speaking ended up leading into me being more uh, adept conversationally. Uh, and I'm still growing. I'm still adapting because at heart, I'm still an introvert. But I've learned to grow out of that shell and, and kind of put myself out there more because I realize it's important for people to understand exactly where you're coming from. And most of the time, you can only communicate that through words. So Ball for Good kind of gave you that push to keep working at public speaking? Definitely, yeah. Ball for Good has given me the push to keep working at public speaking because before that, most of my public speaking was uh, through school events. And so although I would do well, there weren't always school events to be talking publicly at. So I found myself talking less and less until Ball for Good came onto my plate. And then all of a sudden I'm talking a lot and talking at different schools, talking to youth groups. And I just became more and more comfortable with it. And now I've been able to speak in front of uh, crowds of several people. And I've just been excited to do so simply because I enjoy kind of reaching those people. What was the biggest lesson that you got from that first basketball game? Um, the first celebrity basketball games taught me that nothing has to be perfect because there was there were so many things that would 
be seen as obstacles or be seen as something that uh, this went wrong, this went wrong, uh, this is in the way. But if you look at the overall outcome of the celebrity games, they were a success. And all those things behind the scenes that may have been recognized as this is a failure, you don't see that in the final result because ultimately you see that $7,500 were donated to the Boys and Girls Club as part of a youth initiative. And to me, I mean, you see that in the news headlines, that's a success uh, with the community all together and, and feeling unified uh, through basketball. And so I've kind of been able to carry that attitude through everything Ball for Good, understanding that we won't always be able to achieve perfection, but we can always try our best and that will result in success, whether that's financial success or uh, success in promotions or success in just reaching more and more volunteers. So not looking at what you did wrong, looking at what you did, right? Uh, not quite. You still, We still observe what we do wrong and and uh, mistakes we make to avoid them in the future. But it's more of embracing those mistakes rather than looking at them in the negative light. When you were walking away from this first event, were you feeling inspired or ambitious for what's next? Yes, definitely inspired. I don't know if I was quite ambitious because I didn't know what was next. But I was def I definitely left feeling inspired, like I could really accomplish anything at that point in time, because I never imagined the impact that I could have. And when I was putting out flyers, and no one quite knew what Ball for Good was, because it was just on my blog that maybe had my mom and my teacher viewing it. I didn't think that it was going to be a huge event. I thought that oh, maybe we'll have uh, some people from school here, and then we'll raise a little bit of money, and that'll be that. If we reach our goal, that's cool. If we don't, that's that's fine too. Uh, but uh, because I knew I was gonna get a pretty good grade, but then to see all those people react uh, to all those flyers I put out, people coming in masses, uh, the media covering it and saying Zion Williamson dunks on grown men and, and just having all this coverage and having all these people so excited about the, an event that I organized, I left feeling really inspired and empowered uh, that uh, I can really accomplish so much if I just put my mind to it. Now, since then, you've had games, celebrity basketball games every year, uh, bringing in $70,000. The number might even be more by now, which is like, wow. Now, there are many factors to the success. Um, the support of your parents, your community, a lot of luck finding your mentor. Which one of these is the most important in bringing you from a kid with big dreams to a kid who's accomplished a lot of these dreams? Um, I definitely say that there are a lot of factors in the transition from uh, a dreamer to a doer. And those are all major, uh, uh, a mentor, uh, a supportive group. But I think the most important thing that you can have in transitioning from someone with dreams to someone who is accomplishing those dreams is uh, a winning mentality. Looking forward into the future and seeing this is what I want to accomplish and outlining those steps that I'll do this, this, and this by this time in order to take steps or reach this goal. 
And so you may not reach your goal all at once, but by making yourself feel like you're accomplishing it and chipping away at it, you're going to feel more and more inspired. And eventually you're going to be able to kind of conquer anything that you reach or, or, or set your mind to because you can break it down into these achievable goals. Definitely. That's great um, advice. You're a sophomore in high school right now. You're involved in student government, band, debate club, basketball, soccer, and many, many more. How do you manage all these activities? You know, it's been it's been difficult trying to manage all the activities. I, I know that I'm involved in a lot in the student life. And uh, throughout my sophomore year, there was a lot of balancing uh, things that I had to do. Uh, I had to look at uh, my sports schedule and how that conflicted with meeting times. I had to look at uh, certain times that I would be going traveling with my school group and see how I have to schedule around that if I want to have a certain meeting by a certain time. And uh, I've learned to adapt and learn to write a lot down, not not necessarily on paper, but in a calendar or, or on reminders because if there's so much on your plate, you're gonna end up forgetting that there are things to do and then that's not a good reflection on your, your brand. So I try my best to, anytime I hear that I have to do something, just put it down immediately and automate it so that I am able to remember that I have to do these things and uh, schedule my time around it and plan towards it. And in my junior year now, that's becoming more and more difficult because there's more and more work. But it's okay because uh, I've, I've learned kind of as the work has advanced through my freshman and sophomore years, how to kind of adapt to that and uh, manage my time and balance it. Is it difficult now to, you know, do the balancing? Uh, yes, definitely. Uh, with uh, the issues of scheduling, especially now in this uh, altered kind of reality where school is different uh, as far as learning and everything it's 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 difficult because there are different ways you have to approach uh submission of work uh, different deadlines you have to to reach and uh this is the this is my most fun course load i've ever had at school but it's also the most challenging and the most difficult and each and every class is demanding and so I have to learn uh, that I have to schedule something on the weekend sometimes so that I have free time during the week to focus on academics. And there are times where I'll have free opportunities uh, to put in some events uh, such as this interview. And I've learned to kind of balance each and everything that I do uh, through those same methods that I was acquiring through freshman and sophomore year. How did some of those values like you know, listening to other people, seeing both sides. How did some of those values transition into you running Ball for Good? Um, as the leader of Ball for Good, I find it important to recognize that it is a community organization. And so I try to listen to members of our different committees. And I also try to have an idea of what the community's feeling is. We send out updates uh, to our community, making sure that they feel involved. And we pull them and ask them uh, about certain events that we're doing or certain 
things that we want to take on. And we get an understanding of the fact that not everything that I want to do is going to be something that the community wants to do. And so it's important for us to establish that listening mindset that uh, we're able to adapt uh, to suit as many people as possible. A lot of what you do at Ball for Good would be considered community service, volunteering. Uh, in my opinion, I do enjoy doing volunteering, but it's not always amazingly fun. What motivates you to keep doing uh, all, all this stuff? A major motivation for continuation of, of community service would definitely be the end results. Uh, not necessarily the coverage of publicity, but the end results being when you give that money, you give those can't go to whatever you're able to donate uh, to that organization or to that collective group of people uh, creates a certain impact and you can almost see that immediate impact in the expressions that people give you the, the gratitude that people show uh, and I have a drawer where I have all the thank you notes that we've received as Ball for Good and, and we just appreciate uh, kind of the feeling that it creates when you're able to contribute to your community and have people react in such a positive way. So that feeling of being on the court, having these kids, uh, maybe it's a boys and girls club, and that feeling of giving that check to them, knowing that it's going to do a lot of good, that's what keeps you going, right? Definitely, yeah. Um, having an idea of the impact that I can have is always important and always key in keeping us motivated uh, through everything we do with Ball for Good. I asked you earlier about whether or not you could do what you do without the support of your parents, um, friends, family. So how really, how important are your family and friends and parents in you becoming who you are today? Uh, they're extremely important because they uh, are my support system 24 seven. They're there to um, kind of rely on. And I know that if I have an event and I'm unsure of whether anybody can participate in it, I can share it with my family and they'll be able to kind of reach their network and, and try to garner some support. And so they've always been helpful uh, whether that's through guidance, whether that's through donation, whether that's through connections, they're just they've just been very helpful in looking out for ball for good and and the success that it could have in the future. Adam, out of all the people in your community, um, some of these athletes, has anyone ever doubted you or questioned you because of your age? Yes, definitely. There have definitely been people who have uh, questioned or doubted the legitimacy of Ball for Good. Uh, definitely less these days because of the kind of image that we've been able to, and reputation, yes, that we've been able to create. Uh, but before, people were definitely doubting because it's an organization that is uh, youth-led, and there are youth committee members and a uh, youth founder. And so... There have been people who have doubted it, but I don't take that to heart. I just think that 
a lot of people have ideas that uh, young people have certain limitations, uh, which is true to some extent, but that's also true that young people can grow out of these limitations and learn from their mistakes at a young age and eventually uh, create something great. So I think that it's important to believe in the youth and believe in whatever dreams they have and motivate them to to be great. Yeah, kids can go out, start something, and they'll learn even if they succeed or fail. The most important thing is that they'll learn from it. Now, at Ball for Good, everything you do, it's a lot. Sometimes, you know, a lot for a kid. Is there any time where you kind of miss out on being a teen? Yeah, there, there are opportunities that I miss out on sometimes, whether it's some kind of group gathering or, or, or some kind of uh, youth event that I may have to miss out on because I have a meeting or I have uh, something I have to work on. But I think that just comes with aspiring for a certain level of uh, excellence. And so uh, there's always going to be times when there are conflicts and I think that uh, rather than to feel bad for myself that I am unable to, to participate in certain things, I can appreciate the fact that I have these opportunities to grow and expand the organization and grow and expand myself. That's great what you're doing with Ball for Good and everything else you do in your life. Do you have any inspirations, idols, or people you look up to? Yeah, definitely. I look up to my dad and my grandfather. Uh, they always have words of wisdom to share with me. Uh, both of them are men of few words, uh, so I learned from that. But uh, in the few words that they share, they usually have some wisdom or, or sometimes some humor to share. Uh, and I appreciate their ability to guide me in the right direction. If you had a couple words, only a couple words, to describe who Adom Apaya is, what would you put there? Hmm, that's difficult. Uh, I would describe him as someone who is purpose-driven and someone who looks to inspire others. And it's obviously very clear that you're doing this because in your, com uh, in your community, Spartansburg, I'm sure there are other little boys, little girls who see what you are able to do and they're like, if he can do it, I can do it too. In 30 years, where do you see yourself? 30 years, I see myself in a position uh, where I'm able to provide inspiration and guidance for others. That, that can take many, many forms. Uh, but if I find myself in a position where I am someone uh, with a platform and with some kind of way to reach a lot of people, I think I'll be someone who's going to provide a lot of inspiration and, and uh, make sure that people are aware of their potential and aware of the steps they need to take. And I think in doing that, that would make me uh, more accomplished than anything else. So do you see yourself as like a motivational speaker type person? Uh, that could definitely be an aspect of what I do. If I see, I see myself definitely involved in entrepreneurship in the business world, 
uh, but motivational speaking is something that sometimes goes hand in hand with that. Uh, and so I definitely could find myself in a position where I am speaking motivationally, but also preaching about uh, financial literacy and financial health. And so I think just teaching myself a lot of things first will help me to be a source of inspiration. So whatever it takes to get you that platform to continue to inspire these kids. I don't, lastly, for anyone out there who wants to do something like you're doing, uh, combining sports, maybe something else into community service, what's your advice for them? I, I encourage them to, to approach what they want to do, uh, look at that in the eye and, and ask what they want from it. And when they determine what they want from it, then they're able to kind of more clearly outline what their approach will be, uh, what steps they have to take, where they lack knowledge, and therefore where they have to seek knowledge. And I think it's very important for youth to kind of have a positive mindset when approaching different things that are presented to them so that they're able to have a more positive and excited outlook towards their endeavors. Great advice. You know, looking ahead positive, be open to learning basically all the stuff we talked about today. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Adam. Thank you so much for having me. A couple years ago, I was involved in lots of activities, but my two main sports activities was jujitsu and fencing, and I had to choose one or the other. But after listening to this episode, if I had to go back in time, I wouldn't sacrifice either. Adam didn't. He had debate, soccer, basketball, student government, ball for good, and he never had to give up any of them. So the lesson here is that if you're really passionate about being a kid entrepreneur, there is nothing, absolutely nothing that's gonna get in your way. You might have to sacrifice one or two activities, or maybe not, like I don't. But no matter what, if you love what you do and you love that career path of being an entrepreneur, you will get through every single obstacle, I promise. You can find out more about Adom on his website, Ball for Good, and that's the number four, or his Instagram, I am Adom Apaya, and those will be linked in the show notes. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode with Adom. It was such an inspiration, and I'll see you next week with another amazing episode. Special thanks to Talia Rahman, our audio engineer for the Kid CEO podcast, Bella Yoon, our social media director, and Ada Kasi, our outreach director. And thank you to you all for listening. If you want to show your support, just give us a review on Apple Podcasts and even consider subscribing. And make sure you're up to date with all Kid CEO on our Instagram page at Kid CEO Podcast. This is Benjamin Wong signing off. Thank you.